Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Got a few people happy I'm here. Well, I don't like me sometimes either, so that's okay. I have an announcement. Um, Tomorrow, we're going to start praying at noon. So if you want to set your uh, calendar or however you do that, uh, we're going to pray as a church at noon. Uh, I believe it's every Monday. Um, You could probably pray every day if you'd like to, though. But for sure on Mondays, pray. And I think I told the last service to fast. I'm not sure if that's accurate, so they might be fasting, and I don't know. But definitely pray, and the fasting part, that's up to you, I guess, or it's all up to you. So we're going to be starting that for a month as a church to, pr- to pray every Monday, and we're going to start meeting at the church, and that'll be in the announcements as time goes on, too. But um, I want to talk to you today about contentment. How have you ever found yourselves discontent? Anybody ever found themselves not happy with the way things are going or or could be better, and, uh, you know, all the things we could go on and on about how we could be discontent. But I want to start in Philippians 4 and verse 11, and this is a, uh, Paul, the apostle, he, he found a way to be content even in a, in a world <clears throat> of discontentment, in a world of unfairness, in a world of, uh, you know, being done wrong over and over and over. He was treated poorly, he was beat uh, with rods, he was stoned, um, and not the kind of stone that they do in Oklahoma, but he was stoned, and, and uh, anyways, all kinds of stuff going on in his life, and he was, he was still found contentment. So, I'm from Oklahoma, that's why I said that, but <clears throat> I know for sure what they, what's going on up there. But, in Philippians 4, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and what I say, verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says that he's not speaking in regard to a need, and he's learned whatever state he's in to be content. How of you can say that about yourself? Uh, whatever state you're in, that you're just content. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, indifferent, that you're just content no matter what. And it doesn't, isn't based on your circumstances. It isn't based on, you know, the lack of or whatever you want to fill in the blank of in your life, that you're just going to be content no matter what state you find yourself in, even if it's Texas. You find yourself in the state of Texas. You're content. <laughs> and again, like I said, I'm from Oklahoma, and you know, I got a little quick story about that, that we uh, used to come down to the, to, I may have told this before, I don't know, but we used to come down to the, to the river when I was a kid, you know, I lived on the Oklahoma side, and we stayed on the Oklahoma side, we'd fish and swim and do all that kind of thing, and we'd come down there about once a month, uh, then all of a sudden these Texans were throwing dynamite at us from across the river, they were throwing dynamite at us. And we got tired of it, and we come back the next week with a lighter, and we started lighting the dynamite and throwing it back at them. 
at the Texans that was throwing it at us. So that's my experience with, with that. But Sorry about that. It, y'all catch up in just a second. It'll, it'll, it'll come to you. <laughs> it might take a minute. You're, you're slow, but you're worth waiting on. Uh, Matthew 6. <laughs> this may be my last time, so we better make it a good one. Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 21. And I want to start out with talking about being discontent. Um, and then we'll move on to being content. And these are... Um, things that I've just found in my own life that are, that are things that have helped me to, know, again, no, no matter what state I'm in, that I could just be happy, no matter how bad it is, no matter how good it is, uh, how indifferent it is. And these are things that I haven't fully learned, but I'm, I'm learning them as I, as I go. In Matthew chapter 6, this is um, the reality of things in our life where they uh, or they kind of things that cause us to be discontent. That's why I'm using this scripture to to show you why maybe you might be discontent or I might be. And in, and in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I heard a guy say one time that you can tell where somebody's um, heart's at by looking at their bank account. And you can tell where their treasure's at by looking at their bank account, where are they spending their money, where are they putting their treasure at in, in life. And I think that's a true statement, that you could look at my bank account or your bank account, and we could um, tell where I'm focus and all my resources to and this is again this is storing up treasures in heaven and the thing the reason I bring this scripture out in a message about contentment or being discontent is the fact that that's what makes us discontent is we trying to make all of our store up all of our treasures on earth and all the things on earth matter to us so much and the things of the kingdom tend to matter so little when we put all of our focus on this life and what this life has to offer us. And that's the easy thing to get caught up in, in in our lives is to just be focused on the things of this world. And he said here that moth and rust are going to destroy it. So all the things that you are trying to make pretty and trying to make, you know, make people be proud of you or whatever your reason is behind it, it may be good intentions. The point is it's all going to be gone one day. And the things that are just eating you alive, the things that are making you discontent, the things that are bothering you every day, they're not even going to be here uh, 50, 100 years from now. We won't be here uh, that long from now. And again, my point is, is that's what makes us discontent in our lives is just focusing on earthly things and things of this world. And, you know, most of us know about a treasure map. If you put a, tre- put a treasure somewhere, if you hide something, you know, they put an X on there to mark the spot so you can find the treasure. And that's, that's what we do when we focus on the world's things. Is we put all of our treasure down here, and we're never going to have it again. It's gone. But if we put our treasures in heaven, where moth and rust can't destroy it, and where things can't destroy it, it can't be taken away from us, it can't be stolen, it can't be all these things that, that happen, is that we'll have them forever. 
And that's what makes us discontent. You know, it talks about thieves breaking in and stealing. We went on a trip about a week or two ago, and, and I was <clears throat> worried about my shop getting broke into. Somebody stealing all my tools. I wasn't worried about my house. I was just worried about my shop. You could have stole my car. You could have stole everything, but don't steal stuff out of my shop. And I was thinking, I said, what I would do? And, and, you know, the first thing came to mind, I'd just shoot them. Somebody stole my stuff out of my shop. And, uh, of course, I'm not going to shoot anybody because I've never even been in a fight in my entire life. And uh, so I'm probably not going to shoot you if you come steal my stuff. Well, there's just one time I did kind of get in a little scrap with this one person. And uh, finally I got up from the, from the fight, and I decided I wasn't going to let him win. And I, I got up, and I whipped that girl good, and she didn't have a chance after that. And uh, <laughs> that was the only one I've been in. So the point is, I don't know what the point is, but there's one here. And we get caught up in things getting stolen from us, us losing things, um, all the things in our life that make us discontent that we're hung up on that don't even matter. And it's people stealing stuff from us, whatever it may be in your life. <clears throat> and these are things that, that make us discontent in our life. You know, all this stuff, I could probably go out in my shed or my shop, and I, you could probably remove half of it, and I wouldn't ever need it again. I probably don't need half of it. I had a yard sale one time uh, about 10 years ago or so, and I had all my stuff out in the, in the yard, you know, like you have at a yard sale. And... Anyways, I was looking at it after I got it all set out there where I could see it, and I was looking at all the stuff I had out there, and it was stuff I had bought at a yard sale. All the stuff out there after I got to look. I bought that at a yard sale, I bought that at a yard sale, and I'm storing up all this stuff for whatever reason. I had like 10 gas cans. I found most of them on the side of the road, so if you're missing a gas can, I picked it up. And all these things that I had out there that was just wasteful, and I was worried about... You know, I'm never having another yard sale either. That was a waste of my time to sit out there in the heat for two days trying to make 50 bucks. But anyways, my point is, is all these possessions that we think we got to have and we think we got to protect and we think we got to do this with them and do that with them, and it's, it's just irrelevant to, the, to our, our walk with, with God and to the kingdom of God and what our real purpose is in life. And I get caught up in all that stuff, and I try to you know, take care of all that stuff before I do any kind of um, ministry or my calling and things like that. I get them out of order all the time. So I'm not telling you to do nothing that, that I'm not doing, but this is what, what happens to us. This is what makes us discontent. Again, I'm, I'm talking about being discontent. We're going to move into to contentment in just a minute. But these are, uh, you know, things that, that we think matters in our life. You know, I was, me and my friend was painting houses one time in Colorado, and we was driving down I-25. I don't know if you're familiar with I-25, but it's a pretty busy uh, highway in, in Colorado. And there was this five-gallon bucket on the side of the road, and I seen it, and I was going to, you know, I was going to pull over and tell I, t I said, can you hop out and get that bucket? Because he was in the passenger side. He said, you want me to get out and risk my life for a three-dollar five-gallon bucket? He said, I'll buy you a five-gallon bucket. And that's just the things we think about, $3. We think about whatever, you know. We think about stuff that I didn't even think about him risking his life. I was just thinking about I could use that bucket, and we'll put it in the truck, and we'll use it for work. And because I was thinking about earthly things, I wasn't thinking about him. I was just thinking about picking up the bucket. Uh, again, I'm from Oklahoma. That's just how I think. And anyways, it's just a worldly 
way of thinking and a worldly way of doing things is you're focused on dollars, cents, whatever it may be. And these are things that I uh, have found myself focusing on. And so I thought I would um, try to get, get this right in my own life. But in Luke chapter 12, here's a man that was discontent. He was, he was not happy with enough, to say the least. In Luke 12 and verse 13... He, uh, Jesus tells this parable, and the parable in my Bible is labeled the parable <clears throat> of the rich fool. And in verse 13, he says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You know how many families are probably torn apart because of this right here? They got hung up on an inheritance that didn't get divided right, and this guy was coming to Jesus hoping he'd do something about it, and he didn't want to get involved in it. Jesus didn't even want to get involved with that. He said, I'm, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? He just told him, you'd think if you went and asked Jesus to make this right, he would have said, all right, I'm going to come in there and tell him to give you your half and this and that. He didn't say that. He said, I'm going to... Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And again, there's, there's probably a lot of people, I don't know anybody personally, that, that hadn't spoke to a family member in years because of something like this. Again, it's just focused on possessions, worldly things, things they think they had owed to them. And I know that's a hard thing to, to swallow for some of us, that that, yeah, maybe you was done wrong. It may be legitimate wrong that you were done, but your focus is off if you won't speak to a family member because you didn't get something you thought was owed to you. That's not a very good representation of a, of a Christian person, of somebody that claims to love God that won't even speak to their own family because they weren't given certain possessions. And anyways, he goes on to say it got pretty quiet here, so we'll move on. Verse 15, he, and he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke this parable. He's saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things be which you have provided, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And I don't think that he's saying that we should never save, because I think there's other scriptures in the Bible that talk about stewardship. Uh, scriptures that talk about if you don't work, you don't eat. We need that one posted somewhere on social media, but that's not my message today. So, yeah, I'm not going there. That ain't something I need to deal with. Gabe will deal with that if he chooses to one of these days. But God said to him, he called him a fool. Again, Jesus, I don't know if Jesus, they'd let him teach Sunday school or not at church, but because the, the kids would come out and say, Jesus called me a fool, and he, he uh, called me covetousness and all these things. And, and I think that we, I don't think we know Jesus like we think we do. 
He turned over tables, drove people out with a whip that he made. He made this whip. It says he thought about it, so he thought about it. It wasn't just off the cuff, you know. And anyways, he, he did a lot of things that, that probably, he'd probably get kicked out of most of our churches for. But the point is here, back to the message, I don't know how I got off on that, but is these people were focused on things. And they're focused on getting all these things. This guy wanted to tear his barn down and build a bigger barn and have all these things. And that's what his focus was on. Again, there's nothing wrong with having things. It's just, where's my focus at? And where's my heart at toward God? He said to be rich toward God. Not to be rich in this world and not to be, you know, that's the American dream, right? If you define the American dream, it's to be, what is it? To be wealthy, to have an abundance of things and and that may or may not be what God has for you, but it's not necessarily God's dream for you necessarily. He said to be rich towards him. And I'm not saying you need to, it's wrong to be rich. If you're rich in here, that's fine. I'm, uh, I'm glad to, to know you, but there's nothing wrong with that. The point is, is my heart. What is my heart doing with what I have? Am I discontent uh, no matter where I'm at, no matter what state I find myself in in life? Or am I going to be happy whether I'm rich or poor? whether I'm sad or with a bad day or, you know, we talked about Job. I think it was here. It might have been somewhere else. He lost everything he had one day. Uh, and he was still happy and he was still content. So it goes to show you these people in the Bible, they're not basing their contentment off of what they have and what they don't have in life. And I'm going to try to fly through this whole message. I didn't get through the whole thing last time. And I, I wrote down a few reasons why we might be discontent. And these are just a few. There's probably more, but these are just a few. But the first one I came up with was the um, reason I'd be discontent, number one, is I just want to be in control. And I want to be in charge of everything. And if I'm not calling the shots, if I'm not in control, I'm not happy and I'm not content. And there's some people that are called to be leaders, and don't get me wrong, we look to them a lot of times in a in a situation, and they are helpful, and they have a gift of leadership. But if you have to be in control, and you have to um, say what's say the last word in a situation, you're just discontent because it's not you're not getting it your way, and you're not getting it the way you want it, and the way you think it should be. Even though you're the smartest person probably in the room, uh, in your mind, uh, that's what makes us discontent is control and us wanting to be in control. And I'm probably the least, if there's some, somebody needs to be in charge and there was a line of 10 people, I would be 10 in the line. I would, if I got to choose what place I was in, I would choose number 10. I don't want to be in charge. I want somebody to tell me what to do most of the time. And it's, it's just my nature. And, but some of you are not that way, right? I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but some of you want to be in charge of everything. And you want to call all the shots, and you want to gripe and complain about this problem and that problem and, and that work. And, you know, I had a guy I worked with one time. It didn't matter what happened. He was going to have something to, to gripe about and something to complain about and something to say something about. It didn't matter. If everybody was in a circle laughing and carrying on, he would come up there and have some kind of complaint. And I just can't deal with people like that. I just, I just kind of avoid people like that most of the time. And that goes on to... And then we're greedy is another reason we might be discontent because we never have enough and we never are going to have enough because, again, we're looking 
at worldly things. We're looking at worldly aspects, things that we can gain in this world, and it causes more greed and more greed in our lives. So I want to read to you in Proverbs 28, 25. He says here, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Here's what a greedy person looks like. If you, if you don't know what it looks like, it's somebody that stirs up strife. And again, they may not be greedy for money, but they are greedy for control or they're greedy for... There's, those are just a couple things that I came up with in this sermon. There's probably a, a long list of reasons why somebody might stir up strife, but the ones I came up with is, is a greedy man stirs up strife. And if you've ever noticed this just in life, that sometimes it's the people that are the most well-off that cause the most problems. You ever notice that? Whether it be at your work or whether it be in a family situation or maybe at a church you was involved in. But a lot of times it's the people that are the most well-off that throw a fit and want it their way. And again, I'm not putting you down if you're well-off. I'm not saying that at all. But he says here, a greedy man stirs up strife but the one who trusts in the Lord, he'll be enriched. So if I'm going around stirring up strife with people and causing problems all the time, most likely it's because I'm greedy for something. I want something. I want more, more, more. I want more of something, whether it be control, whether it be money, whether it be uh, somebody looking at you and thinking well of you, whatever it may be. It may be just your ego. Who knows what it is? But that's the sign of a greedy man is that they stir up strife. And I've, again, we all probably know people um, who might be that person if, that stirs up strife everywhere we go. But again, that's not a good representation of, of God either if I'm going around stirring up strife with people and it just means I'm, I'm a greedy person. And how do you want to be greedy? Nobody wants to be greedy. And these are things, again, that are... Um, reasons to that we might be discontent and i want to get on to being content and how we can find that in our lives because i think we need a solution to that now that we kind of can see what has made us this way and what has made us discontent in our lives and these are i think sometimes we think that money makes us happy it's going to make me happy if i have more of it and if i have a certain amount in my bank account or a certain amount in a retirement fund or whatever, that I'll be happy. But really the truth of it is that money just makes you comfortable. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't have the ability. It doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the, the whatever you want to fill in the blank to make you happy. Money in and of itself cannot make you. A piece of paper with a president's face on it has no ability to make you happy. There's no ability in it to make you happy. But what it does do is it makes you comfortable. How of you would agree with that? Money can make you comfortable. Uh, how many of y'all are enjoying the air conditioner in here? How many of you glad they paid the electric bill? And they bought these padded seats. And they got carpet in here. I got concrete in my house with holes in it. I don't even have carpet. But I'm working on it. But anyways, that makes us comfortable. And that took money to do all that. But it don't make us happy. If it does, your motives are wrong and you're, you're just discontent because you're looking at things in this world. You know, I didn't have an air conditioner for a couple days uh, about a month ago. Thank God it didn't happen right now. It was a few degrees cooler then. And, man, I decided I'm not giving up on God. I'm going to keep serving Jesus because I ain't going to hell because uh, that's what it felt like for a couple days <laughs> without an air conditioner. And 
it's, I got comfortable. I'm used to it. You know, if you, if you got my dad up here to talk to you, my dad even told me when I didn't have air conditioner for a couple of days. He said, I never had one either. I never even had one to fix, much less get one that I could fix. And, and I got mine fixed. I'm different than he is. I'm a different generation, I guess. But the point is, is, is our generations just change over time, and we don't even know what it's like for some of you that are older that know that, you know, what it's like to not have an air conditioner or not to have uh, running water or, <clears throat> or whatever it may be. And I've never experienced that, so I can't speak about it, but I know my dad has, and he don't think nothing. He's pretty content because he's never had all this stuff. He has running water now, an air conditioner, and a, a gasoline vehicle. Um, but the point is, is, is we were born in this generation, and that's the generation we got to deal with. And that's the issues we got to deal with in this life is where we're at now. And it's easier to be discontent now than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, however long ago it was. And these are things that we have to overcome, and it's more of a challenge now for us to overcome than it was probably for our parents, um, from my viewpoint of it. So I told you I was going to get to being content. So if you would turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, and just a few pages over, uh, this is, so how many of you do want stuff? Anybody be honest, they do want more things? I, I do. Um, and I want to get, you know, I wouldn't mind having uh, one of those side-by-sides, is that what they call it? It's like a four-wheeler, but it's an it's a upgraded four-wheeler. It's better than a four-wheeler I got. And my four-wheeler, I put like five carburetors on it, and it don't run still. But I'd like to have one of them side-by-sides. And my wife told me if I'd pass the insurance test, I could get one. And I took the insurance test, and I didn't pass it, so I don't have a side-by-side. But um, <laughs> She said, you went and took a CDL test and passed it. And I said, well, that's different. That makes sense to me. Selling insurance is, that's tough, man. That's tough. That's tough. The stuff I had to remember, I had to remember it. It wasn't common sense. I tried to take this test, and I had my phone out reading all the stuff. And I told her boss at the time, I said, I thought about taking that phone and just throwing it through the window because I was so mad. So I'm not a good test taker. Anyways, I'd like to have a side-by-side was the point of that story. And <laughs> this is, I want to have stuff just like y'all do. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that as long as our motives are, are right. So in verse 25, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So it takes faith for us to, to trust God for things and not try to do it on our own ability. And he goes on to say, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, which is basically an unbeliever, for your heavenly Father knows that you're in need of all these things. And here's how you get things. How many of you want to know, this is not a, what do you call it, a prosperity gospel, but it's just the Bible. 
And he tells us this is how we get things. And he says here, this is how we get it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And if you want stuff in your life, you don't covet it. You don't do it that way. You don't necessarily work for every little thing you have. You, you need to work. Again, we need to read that scripture probably a little bit more. But he said to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that I'm worried about, that I'm discontent about, that I'm, that I'm angry about, that I'm bitter about, that I'm whatever about, will be added to me, and I won't have to worry about it. And this is how I do gain things in life, and this is, this is the content way, if you will. What we already read before is somebody that's discontent, trying to gain things. But this is somebody that's content, and that is walking with, with the Lord and has a relationship with Him. This is how they gain things. You know, I've even seen this in some people's lives, how they, they're just seeking God and doing what God has called them to do. And it seems like they're better off than me. And I, I work and do extra work and that kind of thing, and I still don't get ahead sometimes. And that's because I'm not doing it God's way. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard or long hours or anything like that. I'm just saying it's a heart issue. It's why you're discontent, why you're unhappy, why you're unfulfilled. It's in my heart. It's not nothing to do necessarily with my day-to-day actions. It's something in my heart that needs to change. And these are, uh, this is, how many of y'all like to do it God's way? Anybody would like to add all these things to me? Um, not by debt or not by, you know, whatever the American way is, but just by seeking God in his kingdom. And he'll make things work so well for you that, that you, you could never even dream of making it happen like that yourself. He'll make all these things work together for your good because you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in Hebrews, this is the New Living Translation, so I'm going to read it off my phone here. <clears throat> he said in Hebrews 13, 5, that don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. And... To not love money and to be satisfied with what you have, again, it's, it's a cultural thing, I think. I think mostly it's uh, something that's come about in the last, in my lifetime at least, that it's a struggle sometimes because you see all these people with all these things that are better than you and, you know, oh, I, I, ha- I, I don't have this and they have, I want a new car or I, I have to, um, you know, rent or whatever and you know i was talking to my wife yesterday about that i thought man that'd be nice to live in a one bedroom apartment and just pay the electric bill never mow never do nothing don't pay taxes don't do all that stuff i said that'd be awesome so don't be discontent if you're renting it's a good thing it's not all bad it's you you don't have to deal with a lot of the things that you have to deal with when you own a home but that's what we do no matter what state we find ourselves in we can find a way to be angry about it or discontent about it or or whatever whether you own a home or rent or whatever the case may be. And he said here, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God, that's something we, how many of y'all told your kids that when you was raising them up? You told your kids to be happy with what you got. I remember one time my mom brought me this pair of tennis shoes home uh, from the store from Walmart, I think it was. And I didn't like them. And I've still thought about it to this day. I felt so bad about it because I just said something about them and, and that's all they could afford. Well, here it is 30 years later. I was probably 10 years old. 
And I still think about it today how ungrateful I was when I was 8, 10 years old about a pair of shoes that my mom brought home to me. And it just blows my mind that I could be that unthankful for something when that's all they had. That's all they could provide for me. And that's what we do to God sometimes, is we're just unthankful for what he has given us, and we forget where we came from, and we forget how bad it could have been, and we get discontent in our lives. And I think that, that is, um, that's not a good thing to, to not be satisfied. And again, it doesn't have anything to do with your current circumstances, like Paul said. So don't wait to be satisfied when your circumstances change. Because that, that'll just, that may compound it. And he, he talks about not loving money. And we all know that what it says about the love of money, it's the root of all evil. So loving money is the root of all, not money. You know, most of the time when you see it out in public or in the world or on TV, they say money is the root of all evil. Well, that's misquoted. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of it. It says all kinds of evil in the New King James. That, that it's the root of it. So how do I know if I'm discontent? If I have all this, this evil going around on me, I'm probably loving money and I'm probably discontent. And that's what loving money does. Is it just And loving things and material things, is it just makes you unhappy. And it makes you mean and angry and, and all these kinds of things. And I want to read to you in 1 Timothy 6. I didn't get this far I don't think I did in last service. First Timothy 6 and verse 6. This is somebody, this is kind of uh, some of the things that happen when we are discontent in our lives is, is that it can affect our relationship with God even though we don't realize it. And First Timothy 6, 6 says this. He says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, there's the food and clothing again. Notice he doesn't say, and having a house, and air conditioning, and a padded seat. He just says food and clothing, the basics. He didn't add all these other things to it to, that says you need to be content with. He says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. And I know some of you are thinking, well, they didn't have that available back then. But the Bible says that it's a living word. And he wrote this. This was wrote a long time ago, but it's still applicable to our lives today. And he says that's what should make us content, just having food and uh, clothing. Aren't, aren't you glad all of us got clothes? I wouldn't be very content if y'all didn't have clothes on. I'd feel kind of awkward up here with only one with clothes on. I'm glad y'all have found a way to get some food and clothes. And he says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and a many foolish and harmful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. If you went and asked somebody, you know, what their desires are, and they said, Well, I, would, I just want to be rich. And he said, Right here, if that's your desire to be rich, You'll fall into temptation and a snare and a many foolish and harmful lust which drown men in destruction. So my desire should never be to be rich. That should never be my desire. And that sounds so counterculture that probably uh, it's hard to receive even. But that should never be my desire to be rich. 
That should never be my end goal in life. That should never be my, you know, thing I write on a piece of paper. My desire in life is to be rich. That shouldn't be it. Your desire should be to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, whether it be money, whether it be things, whether it be houses and cars or whatever it may be. But he said, when my desire is to be rich, or my desire is to have things, I'm going to fall into temptation and a snare and then fall into all these harmful lust and all these problems that come with it. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice he didn't say that they quit going to church. He said that they have strayed from the faith. And they pierce themselves through with many sorrows and with greediness and many sorrows. So our desires matter a lot. And it matters what, what's in our heart and what's going on in our mind every day. If all we're thinking about is getting more and getting more and, and being greedy and how can I be rich one day, well, your desires are wrong. And your desires are ungodly desires. And I'm not saying I never have those thoughts and never have those desires. But that's not what God, that's not the way he wants you to think. He wants you to renew your mind so that you can test and approve what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. And if you're always worried about being rich, you're never going to do what God's called you to do because your mind's not renewed. It's thinking about earthly things. And you're storing up treasure on earth. And you're thinking about things on the, in this life. And you're not thinking forward thinking. You're thinking about right now. You think you're thinking forward because you're wanting to store up and put in your barns and have all this stuff. And he says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. How many of you, if you knew that, a, you know, if you gave me a seed and you said, if you plant this in your front yard, it'll kill all your grass. It'll, um, you know, everybody that walks by it will just die. And your car drives by it and your car will break down. And all these things, if you drive, if you drive by this tree, that it, this seed will grow. Everything's bad going to happen to it. And that's what he's saying here in, in a way, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And when I love money more than I do God, it causes a root in my life to cause other things to go wrong in my life. And it causes evil things. It's, it's the root of evil. And we think, again, Jerry Roberts said last week, we was worried about the White House and not our house. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, but we worried about all these things going on in the world. And yet we have covetousness and greed in our own hearts. And we're mad at these people that are, you know, doing the things they do in this world. And we need to check our own heart first. So these are things that, that would, um, I'm going to end with this in Acts 4.32. Um, these are things that will make us be content in our lives. Is just changing our desires and changing our heart and seeking first the kingdom of God. But over in Acts, <clears throat> I want to give you a, a biblical example <clears throat> of what Christians look like in the Bible and what they, how they carried themselves and how they did things in this particular circumstance. But in Acts 4.32, he said, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did another one say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. How many of you would feel comfortable enough to, to be a part of a, a church or whatever it was at the time 
to say, this stuff isn't mine, it's all, we'll just share it all. And he says, nor was there anyone among, excuse me, let me back up, and with great power, they, uh, was his own, but they had all the things in common, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. How of you could honestly say in your heart that you could sell, you know, if you had 100 acres out there you wasn't using, or even if you was using it, that you could sell it and just bring the money to whoever that was kind of helping people and just give it to them and say, distribute it however you think you need to. Then you walk around, then you walk in this building a week later and you see how they gave some money to a guy that's probably squandered it and did all these things with it and he's had so many chances and you don't think he deserves another chance. And this is what they did. They just gave it, just gave it. They wasn't hung up on things. And that's what it looks like to be a Christian that's content. Is you could give it all up. It wouldn't matter to you. You could... You could give it all up tomorrow, and it, and it doesn't mean that much to you. And I think sometimes we're more discontent than we realize in our lives is because we're holding on to all these things that really aren't ours anyways. We're just stewards of them, and we've tried to take ownership of them, and we're not even owners of them. But he said here that they, they just sold all their things, and he said here that great grace was upon them all. How many of you would like to have great grace upon you? Well, it comes from being content. And if I'm not content, I'm probably not going to experience all of God that I could. I'm probably going to, you know, fall into temptations. I'm not going to have great grace in my life because just being unhappy and discontent in my life. And that's something that we have to guard against as Christians is being um, discontent. And if the worship team wants to come back, they... um, these people, when we know the story about Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't give up their, you know, they lied about their selling their land or house or whatever it was. <clears throat> and they, they weren't happy with, you know, with giving all their stuff to the, to the church or whatever you want to call it at the time. And they, they died. And I'm not getting into all that. I don't know the full how to even explain that. But I just know that it's in the New Testament. And they were so greedy that they died. Both of them died. And the apostles had to carry them out. And that's what greed and discontent can end up in your life. It causes all kinds of bad things in your life. Again, it's the root of all evil. It's all these things in our life. And I want to read to you one more scripture, then I'm going to pray for you. And this is out of Proverbs 16:8. He says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. It's better to have a little bit and be godly than to have a lot and be ungodly. And again, I don't think he's saying that you should never have a lot and you can't be godly if you have a lot. But it's better if I just had a little bit with righteousness instead of a whole lot that with, with, without it. And I think that's the thing that, that for me that I need to... Um, I was trying to bring my point across is that it's not worth it to be discontent over the things of this world and the things that are stressing you out every day and all those kinds of things in our lives, it's 
Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I want to pray for you as a whole, and then we'll have the prayer team will be up here also. But I just want to pray for you to, to check your heart and to see if you're just discontent with life and, and for you to go evaluate your own heart. Maybe none of the things I said today are the reason you're discontent. Maybe it's another reason. I don't know. I can't cover it all. But if you're a discontent person and you just, nothing can make you happy, I would recommend you start seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness and get your heart straightened out with him. So I just want to pray for you, pray that for you, and uh, then we'll have people down here to pray with you. So Father, we thank you today for your word. Father, we just pray for the people that hear me today. I pray for my own self that, that I wouldn't be discontent because of the circumstances around me or whatever state I find myself in, that I would be happy uh, with just what you've already done for me and provided for me. Even if I don't think it's very much, I just pray I'll be able to humble myself and to, to be content today. And I thank you for that today, Father, that you're, you're working on our hearts today, my heart, the people here's hearts, that, that you're softening our hearts and getting us a, a biblical view instead of a world view of our lives. And that we would look at things the way you desire for us to look at things and not the way the world does or the American dream or whatever it may be. And I just pray that you would soften our hearts today and make our hearts and minds open to what you have to say about this life. In Jesus' name, amen.